There's love. Pressure. Back foot throw. End zone. It is caught for the touchdown. Dontavian Wicks. Oh my goodness. This Dallas crowd is in shock. We're finally past the halfway point in Super Wildcard Weekend. And for some teams, the playoffs have been like kryptonite. Like the Dallas Cowboys, who lost in embarrassing fashion to the Green Bay Packers. And the Miami Dolphins, who couldn't overcome a slew of injuries. And temperatures so low in Kansas City that not even Taylor Swift could bring the heat. So today, we turn to ESPN senior NFL writer Jason Reed to help us put the action we've seen into context and give us a peek at what's coming in tonight's final wildcard games. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Monday, January 15th. This is ESPN Daily. Jason Reed, you watch an entire NFL season and you think you know things. But then the playoffs start and you get results like we did on Sunday where the Packers beat the Cowboys 48-32 to in Dallas as all of America watched what was the biggest upset of the first weekend. Jason, what happened out there to Dallas? Well, what happened is Dallas played like Dallas does in the playoffs. I mean, you know, as you're talking about a team that had a phenomenal regular season, they go 12 and 5, they win the NFCs. Dak Prescott has his best year ever. He's selected the second team all pro. He, he leads the league in touchdown passes. CeeDee Lamb is, is a is a first team all pro. He's fabulous. You know, they're 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 superstar wide out. The defense has stars at every level. Um, and you look at what happened today, and the Green Bay Packers go into Jerry World and into AT&T Stadium, and they just blow them out. They just manhandle them. And, I, and is he, you know, I, I'm really at a loss now because in past years, you know, I always felt, okay, maybe they're just not that good. But this year I really thought that what, what Mike McCarthy, the head coach, did in firing Kellen Moore last, at the end of last year and taking over the play calling and basically saying, I'm going to make Dak Prescott what Jerry Jones, the team owner, wants him to be. And Izzy, during the season, that's what Dak Prescott was. Hmm. The, the, just the superstar that Jerry Jones wanted. But today, just like everybody else on this team, they simply cannot get it done when the lights are brightest. And it's it's just, it's perplexing because, I mean, there was no reason. Look, losing is one thing. Getting embarrassed on your home field where you've been outstanding all season, it just doesn't make sense. And they tried to tease us a couple of times, even late in the season, but I want to point to a tweet that you had during the game. You said, Dak had his best season. C.D. Lamb is one of the league's top three wideouts. The offensive line is still strong. There's major talent at every level of the defense. They finished the regular season on a roll. A coaching change won't fix this. There's something about the culture. These repeated playoff meltdowns make no sense. Gotta be the culture. Tell me what you mean by that, Jason. Well, see, what I mean is, is, you know, you can you can look at Mike McCarthy and you can you can say, well, let's change the head coach because, you know, they've gone one and three in the playoffs on the McCarthy. The last three seasons, they've gone 12 and five each season, but they have one playoff victory and, and they've lost twice in the wild card round. So you say to yourself, well, OK, what's the quick fix? Get get a new head coach. But see, I think the problem here is deeper than that. Mike McCarthy did a fabulous job in, like I previously said, getting Dak Prescott to the highest level he has ever been. They won the division. So, I mean, if you want to say, well, yeah, now just get a coach who can get them over the hump in the playoffs, I don't think it's that simple. I think when a team continually 
plays like this. And, and, and let's remember, you know, this was a team that they had, you know, in previous years when they had Romo and they, and they were great in the NFC East, they couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And so I, I think when they're, when everybody's holding up those mirrors in Dallas tomorrow morning in, in you know, all the, the C-suites, I think what you also got to say to yourself is, well, what is it in this organization? Is it because it, it can't just be coaching when it's been over multiple coaches over decades now? Right. Something is wrong at the core of this organization in terms of the culture. Because when the lights are brightest, these guys melt. Leadership starts at the top. The culture, the culture flows down. It doesn't flow up. It flows down. And Jerry Jones is at the top of that organizational flow chart. He's been that way since he bought the team all those years ago. I don't see the Belichick thing working for this reason. Not just that Jerry Jones is an owner who's very hands-on. You know, he's the you know general manager. Now, Stephen Jones, Jerry's son, is also very involved in in making personnel moves. And Will McClay is uh, you know one of the guys who is is in player personnel there. But I don't. You know, Bill Belichick ran New England for all those years. He was there for 24 years. I don't see Bill Belichick stepping into the Cowboy culture and being able to take over. Whatever the Cowboy culture is or it isn't in terms of succeeding the playoffs, I don't see a Bill Belichick being able to go in there and exert his will the way he's used to doing it. This guy for a generation did it one way. Even even if you get Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the history of sports, or at least in the, you know, in the history of football, even if you get him, is he going to be able to fit in and make the situation work there? And I just don't see it, not just because of Jerry Jones, but because of the whole infrastructure, the way it's set up in Dallas. Now, before we get to fully rebuilding the Dallas Cowboys and their roster and their coaching staff, let's discuss the team that actually beat them on Sunday, a team that has done this before to the Cowboys in the playoffs, and that's the Green Bay Packers. I mentioned earlier things that you don't really recognize from watching a full NFL season. Well, I think one of the things that we started to recognize toward the end of this season is that the Green Bay Packers might just have their third great quarterback in a row in Jordan Love. What did you see from Love and the Packers in this playoff game? Well, you know, let me take it back, you know, even before this playoff game. The way they got into the playoffs with this kid, with this young man, Jordan Love, playing at such a high level. You know, you talk about that Packer lineage at quarterback from Favre to Rodgers, and people have been reluctant to say to love because it's his first year as a, as, as a starter. You don't know how things are going to go. You don't want to put that pressure on that young man. Well, okay, let's close the door on that. It's Favre to Rodgers to love. This guy is legit. He's a big time. I mean, when you look at the plays that he makes, the, the things that he does on instinct, the things that he does when things are breaking down. You know, I remember Mike Shanahan, the, the you know, Kyle Shanahan's father, legendary coach who won a couple Super Bowls with the Broncos once told me, quarterbacks get paid for what they do on third down and what they do off schedule. And you see Jordan Love, the off schedule stuff he does is as good as the schedule stuff. So, good. so you, you look at it and you just say to yourself, They've got a star there, and and that star was much brighter than his counterpart for the Cowboys. And it's not just Jordan Love. The Packers looked like they had the old Cowboys triplets from back in the day when you throw in Romeo Dobbs' performance, Aaron Jones' performance. What can you say about the job Matt LaFleur and this offense has done? Because it feels like, as a coach, he's just on a roll. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, I I covered him when he was uh, the the quarterback's coach in, in, in Washington. And the thing about him is the guy's obviously got a great offensive mind. I mean, I think that goes without saying. You see what he's done there. But 
Izzy, here's the thing. With it, when he went to Green Bay, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have this guy who's won all these MVPs, he's won a Super Bowl. You know, there's a certain thing when you're a rookie head coach and you have a, a future Hall of Famer, arguably one of the top three guys who's ever done it. You know, you're going to put your stuff in, but you have to show some level of deference, some level, level of respect. I think what we're seeing now this year, and I think it's going to be spectacular moving forward, is that Matt LaFleur is just being Matt LaFleur now with his young protege who he doesn't have to worry about offending. Hmm. You know, Jordan, Jordan Love is a sponge. He's going to he's just going to take what you know Matt LaFleur says. Obviously, you know, he's 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 a he's a quarterback. He's going to have his own ideas, but it's not like the the, the potential pushback he was going to get from Aaron Rodgers. I just think this offense with these young wide receivers on top of it, all these guys are in their either their first or second year. I, I think what you have now is the making of what could be a juggernaut offensively for a decade. Yeah, well, they're going to have to be an absolute juggernaut next week when they travel to face the San Francisco 49ers. But the other NFC matchup that we saw Sunday, it was the Lions hosting the Rams, a 24-23 win for the Detroit Lions, their first playoff victory in 32 years, which sounds crazy. Jason, what were you thinking as it all went down? Well, I mean, so many things, Izzy, I mean, about this game. But if you just want to focus on what this organization has done this year, it was a fabulous season, starting with beating the defending world champions uh, in Kansas City on opening night. And it just continues now through winning the division title to, to this first playoff victory. And I think when you talk about the whole season, everything that these guys have done, you got to look at Coach Dan Campbell. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Izzy, when this guy was hired, uh, if you remember, he started talking about like toughness and, you know, uh, eating legs or eating arms or, you know, <laughs> biting off ears or so stuff like that. And, and a lot of people looked at this guy as a clown. And Izzy, I got to admit, I kind of did, too. I was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. But there's a method to this guy's madness. Look at what this team has accomplished this year. And when you look at all the rookies and young players on this team, this team is built to last. Well, in this game, it looked early on like both teams would show out offensively. There were five touchdowns in the first half, plus a field goal. In the second half, no more touchdowns, all field goals, and the Lions held on with their defense effectively. What adjustments did you see from Detroit in that second half? Well, listen, I, you know, they, they played very well in making adjustments to, to slow the Rams down. Um, I think that when you, you know, you talk about the first half, you know, like you said, I mean, it looked like this was going to be, you know, nonstop back and forth. And it wasn't. And sometimes, you know, it just takes teams a, a little time to settle in. And, you know, it's not a, a ton of strategic changes. It's just, okay, executing what they came to do in the first place. And I thought they did a very good job. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it seems like Matt Stafford had the better passing game than Jared Goff. Uh, Matt Stafford, who, by the way, was booed by Detroit Lions fans. I uh, was a little bit shocked by that. Um, neither of the running games were anything to write home about, but some of the defensive plays down the stretch were critical. To me, effectively, winning the game with that last drive and forcing the Rams to punt. But I thought, Jason that the Rams had an opportunity there to try to put three points on the board and take the lead, whether it be on third and 14 going for a short gain and still trying to kick the field goal, or even on fourth and 14 kicking a 61-yarder there because even if you give the Lions a short field, you're only down by one at that point. What did you think about the Rams' decision-making down the stretch? Well, you know... 
I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, it's debatable. I mean, the, the holding penalty backed them up. Okay, yeah. if they don't get the holding penalty, I think you know this. We're not even having this discussion because you know they they go they go for the field goal. A 61 yarder. You know, their kicker is not the greatest in the world, is he? Um, now, the flip side of that, you can say, well, anybody can kick a 61-yarder because it seems like that's what happens in the NFL these days. Right. But I think that was the thing, is that they, they got that holding call. It backs them up. And I, I just think that McVay was like, well, no, this isn't going to work with the guy we have doing it. Um, I, I guess he knows his personnel better than anybody else. <laughs> but I see, I see your point. It's like, you know what? That happens routinely in the league now. All right, after the break, we head out into the cold of Kansas City. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, Jason, on Saturday night, we watched the Chiefs and Dolphins in the fourth coldest playoff game in NFL history at Arrowhead Stadium. Kansas City won 26-7. to What did you see from the Chiefs on that frozen field? Well, look, this has been a very difficult season for the Chiefs, as, as you know. Their, their wide receivers couldn't catch the ball all season. Mahomes got very frustrated about that at times. Still, they won the division for, this, for the seventh straight year. They get into the playoffs. And they got it done. I mean, uh, you know, frigid conditions, obviously. But Rishi Rice, the 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 rookie wideout, had a huge game. Mahomes did what he needed to do. Isaiah Pacheco, their their second year running back, you know, he was he was a very effective in, in in horrible conditions. And defensively, look, we don't talk about the Chiefs' defense. This is a top three defense. Yep. Their corners are outstanding. Their defensive line is outstanding. They have great play at, at linebacker. And really, the defense led this team. Now, I'm going to ask you to clear out for a little bit. You know where I live here, Jason, and I'm just going to give you a very long-winded question that's quite opinionated. Uh, First, we've seen so many injuries with the Dolphins, so many top-tier injuries from some of their best players, primarily on defense, so you kind of want to give them that excuse. However, when you've got Tua Tungavailoa supposedly improving as the year goes on, as the years have gone on, You want to see him at his best in these moments. And granted, he might have had a poor offensive line in front of him or a porous offensive line in front of him, but you still don't see the little things that you see from, say, Patrick Mahomes, where you can read the defense beforehand and recognize you're going to have to make a play out of the pocket or you take the simple throws when they are available to you immediately. And it just felt like Tua was too reliant on this Mike McDaniel's offense was too reliant on Tyreek Hill being able to get open down the field. And you talked about with the previous game with the Cowboys, somebody being off schedule. Well, when Tua is not on schedule, it feels like everything is falling apart. It doesn't feel like he makes great plays or great decisions out of the pocket. So I got to ask you what you see as the future for the Dolphins here who had such an explosive offense for most of this season. 
Well, Izzy, full disclosure, I'm a huge Tua fan, okay? And and I, I'm not in this camp of people who after this game are saying, well, can you pay this guy? You know, can he ever get it done in cold weather? Um, you know, all the questions that were popping up after that Kansas City game, because it wasn't a good game for, for the Dolphins, obviously. And, you know, I don't think we can just overlook the fact you, you, you miss a Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't have an effect on defense. It has an effect on the whole team. You, you know, you, you miss another edge rusher, Jalen Phillips, a guy who's outstanding as well. Like, I think that was like 17 and a half sacks, 18 sacks. Yep. So, so I, I'm not trying to make excuses for the Dolphins because, look, they did lose and, and they don't play well in cold weather. I, I get all that. But this team has shown progress. I mean, Mike McDaniel's head coach has done an outstanding job. They've gotten into the playoffs both years. Now, what you want to see next year is them take a step forward. I think they're going to pay Tua. I don't think they have a choice. Uh, and, and, you know, when you talk about Tua not looking great, with the off-schedule stuff, yeah, Tua is, you know, kind of like a maestro. You know, he, he, he conducts the orchestra, okay? And, and, and if, he, if he has the time to do what he needs to do, nobody throws a, a prettier ball than this guy. But he didn't have the time. The line wasn't very good. The, the line got dominated by the Chiefs line. So, you know, a lot of people are down on him. But I, I see the future of this organization as being very bright still. I mean, I, I don't think you, when you look at where this team is at right now, are they better off now than they were two years ago? And I think undeniably the answer to that question is yes. I think they need to stay the course with Tua. I think they, they you know, you got to work on building more depth because clearly, you know, with these injuries, it impacted them severely. But I think the future of this team is still very bright. Well, one answer I didn't get about the Kansas City Chiefs from watching that game is just who they are going into this postseason. This was more of the Dolphins showing what they aren't. But as the Kansas City Chiefs go into a potential game either against the Houston Texans or the Buffalo Bills, what do you see as the Kansas City Chiefs' identity in this postseason? You know, Izzy, I, I see them as a team that has to play great defense, which is, which is a good thing because they're very capable of playing great defense because they're a great defensive team. And a team that is going to, in the passing game, going to rely on a rookie wideout, Rishi Rice, uh, going to rely on Travis Kelsey, who's, you know, very advanced in his career, and for Mahomes to just do enough. So they're not going to score, you know, 30, 40 points, okay? They're going to have to win by getting into the into the 20s, playing great defense. Harrison Buckner, you know, their place kicker, kicking a lot of field goals, and Mahomes coming up with just enough to get them over because they're not, they don't go downfield like they used to. They can't do it. They don't have those guys right now. They're not the explosive offensive chiefs that we knew in the past. Now they're a team that has to just get it done. But the great news for them is they got the best player in the game yeah. who usually finds a way to do that. All right, Jason, let's go over to Houston. It was quite the blow for the Browns in that defense and a huge win for C.J. Stroud and the Texans. I'm going to start with what went wrong for Cleveland in this game. Oh, wow. So many things. I mean, look, Joe Flacco, I mean, he's a guy who's had a great career. You know, he led the Baltimore Ravens to a Super Bowl many, many years ago. And he had a great run, you know, coming off the scrap heap, so to speak. They brought him in there. You know, Deshaun Watson gets hurt. They, 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 they're having issues at quarterback, you know, injuries there. They bring him in and he, you know, he plays really well and he helps them get to the playoffs. I mean, they have a great season. But when you have a team that you're, you're playing a team that has more speed on defense, more youth overall, 
the Browns just ran into a much better team. They ran into a defense that Flacco made. He made a couple of really bad decisions, and they wound up going the other way for touchdowns. And really, in the playoffs, you have one pick six. That's tough. You have two. You're probably not going to win that game. Yeah, I couldn't help but save this one tweet that I saw. Mentioned the Dolphins led the NFL in total offense this season. They only scored seven points against the Chiefs. The Browns led the NFL in total defense this season. They gave up 45 to the Texans. So let's stay on this Texans team. And C.J. Stroud seemed to blow away expectations, especially as the year progressed. What do you think is their ceiling? Wow, Izzy, I think their ceiling, I mean, if we're talking this playoffs, I think that they can get to the AFC Championship game. I mean, I, mm. that, that would not shock me at all. I mean, C.J. Stroud, he's going to be the Associated Press Offensive Rookie of the Year, and deservedly so. This guy is a flat-out superstar. You know, when when the history of that draft last year is written, it, people are like, how could this guy not have gone number one? He has been everything to that organization that a true franchise quarterback is supposed to be. And then you pair him with D'Amico Ryans, who should be the Associated Press Coach of the Year, hmm. you know, in his first year leading that team. You have a—when you have synergy with the head coach— a great head coach and a great quarterback, you th- there's there's no telling how far you can go. There, there there's no cap on it. And I just think that Izzy, when you look at this young man and what he has done and all the people he proved wrong, and you have a head coach who is one of the great leaders in the NFL. I, I mean, when when he was a player, D'Amico Ryan's, he was a, a great leader. He was renowned throughout the league for being a leader. When he's the defensive coordinator in San Francisco 49ers, he was a great leader. And he's still doing that here. Uh, look, the Texans have, we know they've had some really bad seasons recently, but they have hit goal with these two. I can't help but think of C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love and their performances in this postseason already. Is this next generation of QBs, are they a little ahead of schedule here? Oh, totally. I mean, when you look at, look, Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the game, best player in the NFL. I don't care what the stats say or what the what the record. I mean, people know that that's the, he's the guy. But C.J. Stroud, I mean, you talk about a guy who is right there. We're not just talking about rookies. I mean, right there in terms of being in that elite you know, five to seven quarterback group. Jordan Love, I, I you got to say, you know, he's knocking on that door too. These are two young guys. You know, Jordan Love waited for a little while behind Aaron Rodgers, but they threw CJ, the Texans threw CJ Stroud in and he just performed. The, both of them have just performed incredibly well. So when you look at that next generation of quarterbacks uh, that, you know, who are going to be selling all those jerseys and going to all the playoff games, I think you got to have these two guys right at the top of that list. Coming up, a blizzard in Buffalo gives us a super wildcard doubleheader tonight. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa, whose interests, of course, are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and over. You can also sort by category, like cologne, watches, and more. Or gift lists for items like, I don't know, your grill master or golfer in your life. You can also get top tech. From Beats headphones to JBL portable speakers. Or if you're looking for top brands, you'll find gifts from Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, and Columbia. 
So what are you waiting for? Father's Day is June 16th and we'll be here before you know it. Macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to making selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, Jason, now joining the list of things that I've learned in the postseason that I didn't know in the regular season is snow can postpone a game. I thought we played through everything in this sport, but apparently not. And the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers got moved from Sunday to Monday. What are you looking at in this matchup? Well, Izzy, first of all, I want to see if they're going to play the game. You know what I mean? You know, you know I mean, I, I know it was postponed and moved, but, you know, with the weather in western New York, Buffalo, you, you don't know what's going to happen. But assuming they play the game, I mean, look, the Bills have been on a great run. They were really struggling there around midseason. Josh Allen was taking a lot of heat for all the turnovers, but they got it done and they won the division. And that's why they're hosting this game. I I would be surprised if the Steelers could pull it out just because with as well as the Bills have been playing and they are at home, I I see this really as a game where Josh Allen uh, gets it done. Well, it felt like, Jason, that there was a point in the season where Josh Allen recognized that, hey, even if he throws some interceptions, he is not the problem. He is the primary reason for his team winning. And you saw a great example of that against Miami in their regular season finale, where he threw a couple of, dare I say, mind-numbing interceptions and still ended up winning the game. What do you see as the ceiling if Josh Allen has that sort of maverick mentality? Well, you know, it, it, with him doing that, Izzy, and just, you know, blocking it out and moving forward— no one in the league has a stronger arm than Josh Allen, okay? And Josh Allen, I believe he can, he can be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He has that amount of talent. Now, he, he can't have a bunch of turnovers against the Steelers in the playoffs, I don't think, and the Bills survive that. I mean, it's great that he's able to block that stuff out and move on, but it's one thing doing that at the end of the regular season against the Dolphins. I, I think he has to play, if not a clean game, a, a really good game where they're not, you know, multiple turnovers. But he takes care of the ball and, and you know, hooks up with Stephon Diggs and that defense, you know, limits the Steelers who are challenged offensively. I think they've got a, a very good chance to win that game. Despite their offensive struggles throughout the season, it's oddly comforting to see Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers in this playoff situation. But in a football season where we've seen Bill Belichick step down as the Patriots head coach, we've seen Nick Saban step down as the Alabama head coach. Are there rumblings about the future of Mike Tomlin as the coach with Pittsburgh? What are you hearing, Jason? Yeah, is he, you know, there was a lot of uh there was a lot of that chatter during the season when the when the Steelers were really struggling. Let's not forget this guy has never had a losing season. In his NFL career, he's never had a losing season. This team with its quarterback situation 
shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Right. Okay. I, I mean, you, you look at the issues that they've had, you know, from, from the standpoint of like receivers not doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, you know, questions about how guys are in the locker room. Yet Tomlin kept the thing together and got them to the playoffs. If he wants to walk away, okay. But I don't see the Steelers' ownership dumping Mike Tomlin after pulling this rabbit out of a hat to get this team to the playoffs. Okay, Jason, assuming the Bills and Steelers do not get moved again, the last game of Wild Card Weekend will be the fifth seed Eagles visiting the NFC South winning Tampa Bay Bucks. The story here in a lot of ways is Philly. They were 10-1 and going into that game with the 49ers, and then they've gone 1-5 and since. Just how bad has this collapse been for Philly? Well, it's been awful um, to the point where you know, you, you, Nick Sirianni, their head coach who got them to the Super Bowl last year, did an outstanding job. Now, you know, there's rumblings out of Philadelphia. Well, there's always rumblings out of Philadelphia. But, <laughs> but, but people are saying, hey, should this guy keep his job if they get bounced in this round? And look, A.J. Brown, the, the Eagles' outstanding wide receiver, is out. Um, defensively, they have been a mess. In a very rare move, they changed defensive coordinators during the season. You usually don't see that during the season unless the whole coaching staff gets blown out or, you know, the head coach gets blown out and then a couple other guys have to come be moved around. So I think when you see a move like that, you're changing defensive coordinators and it's really not making an appreciable difference. If anything, you're worse. I think that really, you know, says, okay, this is a team that's losing it. That, that, that this is a coaching staff that is losing it in terms of keeping everything together. Look, I still think they win for just this reason. I don't think the Buccaneers offensively are a team that, you know, will be able to just move the ball so easily, even against this Eagles defense, which has not been good for the last, what, month and a half. I, I think that the, the Eagles will have enough to get this done, but Beyond that, I, I really don't know. I don't see them making a long playoff run, which isn't shocking because of the way they finished the season. But it's disturbing that this team, which was riding so high not that long ago, appears to have just become completely unglued. This is also a Tampa Bay team that's sort of been in survive and advance mode since December began. And frankly, I don't think anybody would be shocked by the Eagles losing to anybody facing them. So what are the biggest challenges that Tampa Bay offers Philadelphia? Well, just lining up with an offense. I mean, you know, the Eagles, like the Eagles defensively are just bad. I mean, and you know, when you, when you talk about being able to stop an offense like Tampa Bay, I mean, Mike Evans is a great receiver. You know, you're not getting, you, you don't have Tom Brady anymore. Baker Mayfield is not Tom Brady. Um, could he have a good game? Yeah, Mayfield could have a good game. I mean, for me, Mike Evans is is the biggest problem for the Eagles. Um, Baker Mayfield, I he look if he if he if he's hot, yeah, anything can happen. But I don't look at the Buccaneers' offense as being good enough to just blow the Eagles out, even with the Eagles' problems defensively. All right, Jason, we're looking forward to connecting with you on location next week. Do you know where that location will be? No, Izzy, I don't. I'm, I'm actually, I, well, let me say this. I, I'm sticking in the AFC for right now, but I don't know where that will be until this uh, snow bowl in Buffalo gets played between the uh, Bills and, and the, uh, the Steelers. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.